we're your slaves. And he says, no, you're all not my slaves, just the one in whom the cup was found. The rest of you go back to your dad. And the next few verses that we read is probably, in literature, it has been said that it is the most eloquent treaty that has ever been spoken. A powerful intercession for another man's life for the purpose of saving one's life an offer of a life for life. Verse 18, then Judah came near to him, came near to Joseph and said, oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing and do not let your anger burn against your servant for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant saying, have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your younger brother or your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my or you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother is uh, with us. Then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? Let's pray for a moment. Father, in these next few moments, Lord, as we consider this narrative, this historical event, Lord, the realities that occur, the emotions that are real, the soul level, but Lord, also the picture with which you are revealing even yourself. Help us, God, to look inwardly, and Lord, that we would seek that transformative work in our hearts and in our lives. I ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Three thoughts today as we look at God is speaking to us. The first would be his techniques and his tact. The second would be his trials to test. And the third, his transformations to triumphs. So the first, his techniques to his tact. Uh, it's a spectrum. His techniques to his tact. 
And it's also kind of a, a picture of his methodology, if you will, techniques uh, to put to work tact, if you will. God has many different ways that he's speaking to you and I. Many different ways. I shared just a few moments ago, Joseph setting his brothers around the table in proper order. It's a subtle way to reveal to them, look, there's only one way I should be able to know this. And God also subtly is revealing himself to us in simple things that he does in our daily lives. Simple things. So, the variety of ways. Well, we have in 1 Samuel a sheep's voice speaking to a wayward king. They come back from the destruction of the Amalekites and Samuel meets Saul and Saul says, we've done the Lord's bidding and we've done all that the Lord has commanded us to do. And Samuel says, if you have obeyed the Lord, what is the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cows that I hear? And at that moment, Saul's heart is struck with the reality and God reaching out and saying, Saul, you've been disobedient. Or a donkey's voice. You know the story in Numbers chapter 22. Balaam riding a donkey, headstrong, in disobedience. Ultimately, the donkey speaks in a language with which Balaam could understand. Or the rooster's voice in the New Testament. Peter around the campfire, he had stuck close to Jesus while Jesus was going into this trial, this mock trial. And Jesus had told Peter that before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And after Peter's third denial, I do not know the man and hurling down curses, actually cursing, I don't know the man. The rooster crows, speaks to Peter's heart. Many other opportunities, a burning bush speaking to Moses, a barrel, an empty barrel of meal, a dead son speaking to the widow of Zarephath, Elijah being spoken to, a torch, a meal, still small voice, this discouraged prophet, Nahum, uh, an Israel, Israeli uh, slave speaking to this general. Time and time again, the Lord speaking to his people, his children, conveying the message of love, conveying the message of grace. What about you? What about me? How's the Lord been speaking to you of late? What circumstances is he using? What things might he be using to draw your attention to deeper spiritual heart issues? The heart, your heart, my heart. What's the tug? What's God been saying to us? So we come to his trials and tests. And a few moments ago, I prayed that portion of scripture in James chapter one, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials. For the testing of your faith produces patience, and we're to let patience have its perfect work. James goes on to say that when we're tempted, no one should say, hey, God's tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The difference between a trial and a test and a temptation are very real. Trials and tests will reveal our hearts to ourselves. Temptation is what the enemy brings to us to bring us to a place of failure that he might steal, kill, and destroy. He is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And his desire is to consume us. God, that is not God's desire. That is our enemy's desire. God is in the business of refining. He wants to refine us that out would come a product, out would come a life that is more useful in the hands of the silversmith. So in our narrative, some of the trials and tests that Judah and his brothers faced, remember, it was Judah who conspired when Joseph was that 17-year-old boy, and they all said, look, here comes this dreamer. Let's get rid of him. Reuben intercedes and says, let's not kill the lad. So they, they put him in the cistern, and it was there that they went and ate some food kind of brazenly about the whole thing. But Judah, in his mind, he's all like, man, why should we kill this kid, leaving him in that pit to die, no water, no food? We could make money off of this cat. Let's sell him. And they see the Ishmaelites coming down, caravan to Egypt. They pull him out and they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. Extra biblical resources would tell us that Judah had a love for money. And so he conspired to have ill-gotten gain over the sale of his brother. And so money being put back in the sacks be an interesting opportunity. Well, we got all this grain for our families and we got our money back. Love of money. Could have held on to it. But no, they, improper act. So, the question would be being asked, are you still greedy? Are you still spent heart sick on money? Simeon and slavery, are you still merciless and cruel? What they did to Joseph was merciless and cruel. The scripture reveals when their hearts are revealed, he said, they said, didn't our hearts, weren't we being convicted when God, when, when we saw the anguish in his hearts and his pleading with us? And they considered it not. Cruelty. Are you still merciless and cruel? So Joseph put Simeon in slavery. How interesting that a period of time transpired before they came back for Simeon. We don't have the explanation that it came from Jacob. It's saying, nope, we're not going back with Benjamin, so time is going to transpire. But here the men have arrived again, and they're going to liberate their brother Simeon. Another trial, Benjamin's specialness. At, at the table, he is given favor. The youngest, the son of their father in his old age, beloved, whose life is built in Benjamin's life. And the brothers know it. Here, in the midst of one who is like Pharaoh, Benjamin gets five times what all the other brothers get. But this time, we have no record of their 
having any conversation about Benjamin and his special treatment? Are you still hatefully envious or malicious? A test, a trial. Jacob and Benjamin's souls, are you still selfish? Is it still about you? You see, they're now, Judah is now thinking about his dad. When he concocted this lie with the coat and the blood of the goat, he had no resolve and no thought of his father and the anguish that his father would live with for the next 20 plus years. No thought, but now his thought is not only for his father, but his thought is also toward Benjamin. And Benjamin, you see, Judah wasn't willing to give his life for Joseph, but now Judah is more willing to give. And then we have Joseph's silver cup. The question that comes, are you still, are, are you still, have you, have, you, have you not become selfless? Are you still bound up in egocentrism? Have you, have you still not come to the place of selflessness? The silver cup. It's an interesting object to speak to a man's heart. Like the bleeding of a sheep, like the donking, donkey speaking in the language that Balaam would understand, like a rooster crowing, like a burning bush, a silver cup is an interesting object to bring someone's heart to the place of repentance. You see, it's here in the discourse from verses 18 on to the end that Judah makes complete confession. Our sin has been found out. And he exchanges his life for the life of Benjamin. It's interesting to note, again, that Joseph is a type of Christ. Christ also has a picture associated with a silver cup. You know in the Garden of Gethsemane, when before the cross, before his crucifixion, he said, Father, if possible, remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, the cup that Jesus was referring to was the third cup of the Passover meal. And the Passover meal was celebrated, and there are four cups that are partaken of together as families around the Seder meal, around that Passover meal. And they are administrated in a silver cup. The cup that Jesus was referring to was the third cup, the cup of redemption. The cup wherewith Jesus would supply redemption for all mankind. That silver cup. You see, when we come to the communion table, we're doing this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. He has paid for our redemption. He redeemed us. He bought us back. And it's at the communion table that we are encouraged to take spiritual stock of where we are, to listen to the Lord. What is it that the Lord would have us come into full confession and repentance of? What hidden sin, what waywardness, what activity of the heart that the Spirit of God has been using things like donkeys and sheep and burning bushes, trying to get a hold of our hearts, revealing his love and his grace, 
that we have turned a deaf ear to. You see, today's message coming out of chapter 44, I believe, is really centered around a silver cup because it's the silver cup that brings Judah to his knees in full confession that he might find redemption. You see, it's in this process where Joseph will ultimately reveal who he is. We don't have the luxury this morning of going into chapter 45, but it's in chapter 45 that Joseph gives full disclosure of who he is. You see, he has seen that transformation in his brothers. Very specifically, we see it in Judah's life. And so we go from his trials and his tests, wherewith he is trying to bring refining in us that we might become more useful in his hands. He is the master silversmith. Proverbs tells us the crucible is for silver. And in the process of refining, the dross is removed so that the product that comes out is more pure and useful in the hands of the silversmith. So his transformations to triumph. Judah's transformation to triumph. He passes the tests, so to speak. He grows up. His process of sanctification has come a long way. God speaks to Judah's heart through the silver cup. He went from greedy to generous, conquering the greediness and gluttony. He went from conspiring to sell to make a profit to returning with all the money. He goes from being apathetic to becoming compassionate, conquering animosity and hatred. From his audacious brazenness and unmerciful hatred as he sat and ate to regarding Simeon in that prison and returning for him to care for his brother's needs. From prejudice to impartial, conquering envy and jealousy. From Joseph's coat, his authority, his favor, and their hatred due to their own envy to not seeing the youngest brother's favor while sitting at the table and rehearsing of all the benefits that Benjamin had that he didn't. He conquered envy and jealousy. From beguileness to genuineness, conquering dishonesty and deceit, from conjuring up a conspirator's wail of a tale of a lie, the bloody coat of Joseph, so to speak, to confession of sin in the midst of the silver cup incident. From selfishness to selflessness, conquering his own flesh. From the sale of Joseph and to be free of the dreamer, to Judah being free and returning for Benjamin and intercedes for his life, a life for a life. So God is speaking to you and I today. He's using various techniques and tactics, revealing himself, his love and his grace. We face trials, we face tests. Those are for production of patience in us. The scripture talks about us changing from glory to glory into the image of the only begotten. We have the opportunity to triumph through the power of the Spirit that we might conquer in us 
all of those inordinate, sin-laden dispositions of our flesh. His transformation and his transformations that bring us to triumphs in the Lord. What's the Lord been speaking to you? How has the Lord been revealing himself to you? What areas is the Lord speaking to you about in your life? Does he want you to express that selfless love? To put others first? To consider? Perhaps you've been unmerciful. Perhaps you've been unkind. Perhaps it's just with one individual and everybody else gets the love, but not this one. Whatever it may be, I want to encourage you. Let the Lord have his work in you. Let the, let the word of God bring forth produce in our lives that we might grow in the Lord and grow up in the Lord. Let's put to death the deeds of our flesh and let's be, as the scripture calls us, more than conquerors through Christ. Amen? Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're uh, getting done a little early today for the purpose of gathering up in the covered area outside as it is our annual barbecue today. And so it would be my encouragement, and I would love if everybody stuck around and ate some, Levi called them just hot dogs, but there's hot dogs and there's burgers and there's food, uh, other foods that have been brought, and uh, there's great fellowship. So will you stick around and enjoy some barbecue and fellowship with us? Tables are set up there. The food has been prepared for us, and it's going to be a great time. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer and invite you to allow the Spirit of God to do that work in your life and in my life. And then we're going to pray for the food and the blessing. We're not going to do any teardown down here. We're just going to go straight up the hallway and outside to the uh, covered area there. There's shade. There, it's not super cool out there. It's supposed to get warm again. But you know, it's still in the morning, so there's still that coolness. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for the encouraging word that we see in the life of Judah, that transformation work. Oh, he faced trials. He faced tests. But Lord, it was your production in him, your desire to develop character in his life, godly character. He was emerging. Lord, you used Joseph. Joseph, a type of Christ. Oh, and Jesus, how you love us and you desire to bring forth those good fruits in our life. May we cooperate. It took Judah 20 plus years. Lord, may we be quick learners. And Lord, let them become the fabric of our lives that we might be more like Jesus. More like Jesus. That people would see in us Christ, our, our, our hope, our hope in a hopeless world. May they see hope in Jesus. And so God, may we point others to Christ. Will you do that work in us? Father, today also we ask that you would bless the food to the nourishment of our bodies, those hamburgers, those hot dogs, and all the condiments and all the food that's out there. May we have rich fellowship one with another and simply enjoy. For those who may be here today and say, man, I wasn't planning for a barbecue and I had other plans, I pray God that they might alter that plan, that they might just hang out and have fellowship, that we can enjoy one another and what the Lord is doing in our lives. So God be glorified. May you bless
We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Well, hey, I invite you to just head up the hallway. You can walk around the outside of the building if you want. But we're going to have barbecue in just a few moments. God bless.